as we kick off our series, I think about parenting, and if you got your message notes, you can pull those out. I want to give you some, some helpers, but when I think about parenting, um, I, one word definitely comes to mind, and maybe you want to write this down in your outline, because this is the truth. One word comes to mind, it's called difficult. And those of you that parented a bit, you know that, that it is. And we got anybody, uh, you got kids in the home right now. Would you raise your hand? You got kids living at home? Of course, probably a lot of you. And so you would understand it's difficult. Some of you are single, single moms or single dads, and you've got to carry the load because the other one's not involved, and you have to do both kind of jobs, it seems like. And you might say it feels impossible. Not difficult, but it feels impossible at times. But you get it done, and we give... Uh, we give thanks to, for the work that, that you do. Some of you, as you join us in this series, you're like, yeah, I did this and um, recently become an empty nester. We got any recent empty nester parents here? Yeah, smile from ear to ear. That's right. Yeah, you are enjoying, enjoying life right now. Any of you um, involved in something interesting called boomerang kids? Got that? They came back around. We're back. We're back. Here we. Some of you have that right now. Of course, uh, there's probably some grandparents here. We have any grandparents in the house? You grand. All right. <laughs> like you got up at 4 a.m. for church today. You've been up and ready to go. And so that's good. And I will say this. I think it's parents uh, that are grand. Grandparents oftentimes say, "We know what our job is: is to spoil the grandbabies." And and I hope you do that. But let me also remind you. Do not abdicate the fact that you still have influence over, over those grandkids. And do not miss those opportunities and moments to influence them uh, because God has still equipped you with great wisdom and opportunity to make sure that your grandkids know some things about life and, of course, about God. Any brand new, like with maybe in the last year, brand new parents in the house? Let me see. Anybody? Got, got, I can't tell. Raise them up so I can see them if you got your hand done. We have any? We got some? Okay, yeah, I see you. See, we've got some in the back there. That's good. Welcome to the club, suckers. Uh, man, what a journey ahead. Well, if you're here and you would say, uh, don't have kids, don't like them, don't want them, don't want anything to do with kids, uh, I, you, I, I won't make you raise your hand, but... We know who you are, and the cool thing is, is when those of us who have kids or lots of kids, and we go out to restaurants, we love to sit right by you. And the kids throw stuff and make noises, and because we know that God wants you to learn patience. We do it so that you can grow in your walk with God. And then there are some of you here, and you're single, and you're just not in that place yet where kids are on the radar, or maybe one day soon, but just not right now. And you would be tempted to say, Okay, I'm single, this has nothing, I don't have kids, I don't, this has nothing to do with me. And I want to assure you as we go through this series, first of all, I'm going to give you in just a moment five outcomes that you would want for your children. I'm going to give you those kind of with the end in mind. If you are here today and you're single, you should want these in your own life these outcomes that I'm going to share with you. But I'm going to give you like four fill-in advisory things as we go on. I can assure you that every fill-in I'm going to give you, if you don't have kids, they still apply to your love life, your love relationships, a future marriage, so you should take good notes. But definitely, uh, they'll be applying to parenting, and so I want to give you these. I do not come before you and claim to be a perfect parent, not at all, I've made mistakes. I have two girls. Uh, one has gone off to be married. The other one is 
10 days as we speak, 10 days away from going away to college. And we are soon to be empty nesters in our own home. So that's coming up for us, but certainly have learned some things along the way. I want to give you not scare tactics, but hope tactics, because there is hope for hurting families. There's hope for better parenting, and there's hope for better parenting at a time in our culture today where it is hard to parent. The year 2023 brings so many challenges to try to be a successful parent. I get it. And though I don't want to scare you, I will say this, though. Uh, we must know that right now in our culture today, there is a concerted, organized effort to tear down the family. Families don't matter. Being a good father doesn't matter. Uh, being a, a godly mother doesn't matter. Families in general don't matter. There is an intentional effort through various platforms in our culture today to tear down families. So if you are going to win this battle and survive, you have got to be ready. Because they are coming after your home. They're coming after moms and dads and kids. Let's do this. Let's, let's begin with the end in mind. I mentioned this earlier. I want to give you five outcomes that every kid should, you should want for every kid comes out of your home. You should want this. Every kid should desire to have this, hopefully. But parents, it's our responsibility to help produce these outcomes. I put these in your notes. Five great goals of parenting. Here's the first one. Every kid, I think, we would all want this, to come out of our home with conviction. Right, what's the opposite of that? I don't really know. I don't have anything. I, hold, I don't have any center in my life. I, I don't hold on to anything firm. It's just kind of whichever the way the wind blows and, you know, it doesn't go well. It doesn't go well. Like, no one would want that for their kid. And, of course, as believers in Christ, we want godly conviction. We want them to have a home that's kind of, I'm talking about a spiritual home that's built on a firm foundation. We don't want them having rudderless living because when they leave the home, things are coming at them. And so they have to be ready. They've got to be prepared. And, and so we have that responsibility to teach that to our children more than ever before. We see kids leaving the home without any conviction. Now, a kid can be in a home without real significant conviction and make pretty decent decisions while they're under your roof, even if you haven't taught them great conviction, because they'll try to make good decisions to please mom and dad. But if they don't have conviction, they will leave the home, and when you're not around, all that stuff is out the window. And so we're trying to build something that will last when you're not around as well. That's conviction. Uh, confidence is another thing. More and more than ever before, kids are leaving the home and they have no self-confidence and they are insecure. They don't know who they are. They don't know whose they are. They're not sure. They, they walk around deeply insecure in their life. They lack confidence. Every parent would say, well, I don't want that for my kid. I want them to have confidence. I want them to know some truths about who they are. And as a parent, it's our job Again, to teach them uh, that confidence so they can have security in the way that they walk. And when I say confidence, I'm not talking about cockiness and arrogance. That's not what we want for our kids. Cocky, if you ever meet somebody who's cocky and arrogant, that's always a front for insecurity going on behind the scenes. I put on a front and I act arrogant so that you won't know how secure, insecure I really am. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about having a a security about who God has made you to be and a confidence in that. And the next one is character. We want our kids to have a moral compass, yes. We want them to know right and wrong, yes. Conviction and producing healthy character. We want them to be people of integrity. And if you're a Christian, of course, what you're fighting for, and I don't 
assume everybody in this room is a Christian, but if you are a Christian, you're fighting for Christ-like character in your kids. And you want them to develop that character, that very powerful character, when they leave, when they leave the home. And the last one is compassion. I think you would want your kids to be compassionate. And what's the opposite of compassionate? Kid leaves the home, life's all about them. They step on everybody along the way. They use people, they break down people so that they can do whatever it is that they want. And so we are seeing more and more kids that do leave the home with a lack of compassion and it's all about self-absorption. Compassion says, I get outside of myself. I see the hurts of others. A compassionate kid leaves the home and says, I see poverty and I want to be a part of the solution. Or I see injustice and I want to be a part of the solution. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And so people who are compassionate want to be difference makers. And of course, I think you would want your child to leave the home being compassionate and wanting to be a difference maker in life. These are five critical thing, or think maybe that was the fourth one. Let me give you the last one, competency. Compassion, competency. You want them to be competent. This is knowing their gifts, knowing their skills, that God wired them and made them for a purpose and a reason, and he's, he's put things in them to, to encounter uh, more in life. They're not just excess baggage, breathing air somehow in their lungs. Their life is important, and it, and it matters. Uh, these are five goals. They're not guaranteed. You and I, we've seen kids come out of great homes. And then all of a sudden, they leave the home. Like the parents seem like they did everything right. And they leave the home and the kid, something happens. You and I have seen kids come out of terrible homes and encounter change and, and really do well as parents in, in their own life one day. So there's not like a magical formula uh, to all of this. But certainly, if we strive for those outcomes, we know the data tells us we can see healthier kids. Uh, again, there's no perfect parent. I've never met a perfect parent. But I want to give you some additional helpers along the way, maybe from a larger perspective, 30,000-foot view on how this has to happen if you're going to be probably more successful on the journey. It's all biblical. No psychobabble here. It's all biblical. And I want to give you these. First, let me read this scripture to you. Very important text, and here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. And there's, people, there's parents. Yes, that's right, Pastor Gary. Tell them. Obey your parents. I mean, after all, this is the first commandment that has a promise. That it may go well with you. The Bible says that you may live long in the land. Fathers... Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay, we want these outcomes for our kids. We want them to be respectful and honoring of their mother and father. But the very end of that says, but we teach them. We, we live the life that we want them to have. We model it out for them, training and instruction of the Lord. We do it with the Lord's help. And so you want those outcomes. You have to be teaching it. You have to be modeling it. You have to be pointing them to their heavenly father, and that is a key to these outcomes. And it brings me to this first thing that I think we ought to pay attention to. Let's just start where, like, bring us all on the same page. If we're going to understand parenting well, we have to start at this baseline, and that's this. All of us have been impacted by our families of origin. 
You are here today, especially those of you that are out of the home, you are a product today, and even those in the home, of the family of origin that you came from, your biological family. And all the good that happened under that roof and all the bad. I am and you are. I'm going to share some things. My intent is not to bash you know, your biological family, not at all. Because again, some of you very much came from, you could, your takeaways were great from your, from your home life. But more and more today, um, there are some negative things that took, that it's more and more. People are looking back at their home life and going, there were some problems there. And I'm just submitting to you that, that whether we, if it's in marriage, parenting, life choices, decisions, how we live in our day-to-day life, so much of it was influenced by our parents when our brains were developing and being wired and we watched how they lived and the things that they did or didn't do and we, we absorb it. And it starts playing out over and over in our daily life. Nobody wants to admit this. Nobody even sometimes see it. So I'm just trying to like, okay, you need to see what you learned and didn't learn at home. And that allows you to kind of come to this place to say, well, how have I been operating in my life? And what are the decisions I'm making with my own kids? And is it possible some of them were born out of some sort of pattern or way of living that I learned in my childhood? Some of that, again, is good. Some of them may not be. And this has happened in the Bible, so it's nothing new. It happens today, right? We, we, we can look at all kinds of different situations, you know, Abraham and Isaac, right? Abraham uh, operated in a moment where he kind of, he denied that his wife was his wife. This is my, this is my sister. He kind of, he denied that to, in an integrity moment. And then, and then, you know what? Isaac turned around and did the exact same thing, you know, made this moment. It's like goes from father to son. We see that, that taking place. You, you think about David and some of his failures and his kids, you know, had some low integrity moments as well that as they grew up. And so we know that this thing can be passed along. Uh, and all these little moments and occasions with our family, they get built inside of us and they teach us how to operate in life, whether it's good or bad. Like we know this. The data tells us that if you're a child and you grew up in a safe and, and strong home environment, that you leave the home more secure. And that security operate, you operate in it day in and day out because of what was placed inside your life and in your heart growing up. Kids that grew up uh, without love and safety and security, they are frequently more weak, damaged in their struggles and how they handle life. Family of origin that had abuse, substance abuse, poor health, emotional health problems, poverty inside home. These have outcomes on how kids turn out, behaviors, so much of it all learned from your home. Do you parent in a way that God has guided you to parent, or do you parent in a way that's born out of things that you learned from your home? And if those things were healthy and godly, great. If they were not, you may have to like start fresh here and say, okay, God, what do you want for me as a parent? We know when it comes to divorce. We know now the data reveals to us some of the outcomes of some of the kids coming out of divorced homes. And I don't uh, so this is no condemnation house, so I don't bring that. I'm just, let's state the obvious. We all know this, that there are there's different things that come out of, with our children as they come out of a divorced home. And some of them view marriage and family a certain way. It impacts them. Some people come out of divorce and say, some kids come out of divorce, they grow up and say, well, I know how much that hurt me in my heart growing up when my parents got divorced. I will, they'll sometimes say, I'll never get married. 
And that can be an unhealthy way. Some people will say, well, I'll get married, but I will never get divorced because I know the pain that that causes. But that doesn't address the problem. The things that you saw growing up with your inability to, uh, your parents' inability to communicate and how to handle conflict and how to honor one another, and you didn't see that in them. And you could make a vow that says, I'll never get divorced, and that's really great, but you haven't dealt with the heart of the issue and some of the other things that you learned how to live healthier so that you don't have to live a marriage that says, well, I'm just never getting divorced. How to live a marriage that's actually healthy, born out of the things that God wants for us. I mentioned abuse. You see criticism, shame inside the home, controlling natures, manipulation, anger, competition. Nobody wants to apologize because nobody wants to admit they're wrong. Somebody in the home is always the center of attention. Belittling, uh, uh, unpredictability, silent treatment, constant chaos, uh, not respecting healthy boundaries, gaslighting, walking on eggshells, all of it. We can pick this up and apply it into our life on a daily basis. Very controversial text in Matthew chapter 10 that Jesus shares. I'm going to share this with you and have a particular reason for it. But here's what it says. Jesus says, do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to earth. I don't come to bring peace, but a sword. He's talking about the sword of truth, this, this sword of what, what is really true about life. I've come, to turn a man, uh, I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So that last part there, here's what Jesus is just in a very raw and direct way. He's saying, I'm above all of it. He's saying, like, you don't worship your kids, right? And all the stuff your kids do. And you don't worship your parents. You worship God. And so he's just saying, like, I'm just in a very clear way saying, Jesus, God, above all. But then, you know, there's some other parts in there, like, against family men, like, yeah, what Jesus is saying is the spiritual sword is something like, there are times where we understand, like, the way uh, maybe somebody in our family lived is not the way that I want to live. And they don't want to honor God, but I want to honor God. And maybe your parents didn't honor God, maybe they didn't do a good job, but with God's sword of truth, that spiritual sword, you can say, okay, but that's, that, I, I'm, I'm choosing to live different. And sometimes that's not easy, and sometimes you have to set up boundaries because your parents don't agree with your faith. That happens as well. At the end of the day, you are bought with a price. You are God's child, and he has a plan and a way for you to live, and you seek that in your life. There were two really bad kings of Israel over a 50-plus period year's time. They were Manasseh and his son Amon. Manasseh was, again, both of them considered, at the end of the day, really bad kings. And Manasseh led Israel, led, led, led the people astray, worshipped false idols, you know, uh, completely destroyed the worship of God in the temple. It was just a complete disaster under his reign. And here's what it says about his son after Manasseh was done. It says this, 2 Kings 21. His son followed completely in the ways of who? His father, worshiping the idols his father had worshiped, bowing down to them, he forsook the Lord, the God of his ancestors, and did not walk in obedience to God. Again, like father, like son. We've learned a lot. And so we just kind of arrive at this place, you know, did God design my efforts in parenting? Is God the one 
that did this or have I been relying on family of origin? Here's the next thing. Then we stop making excuses. Well, Pastor Gary, didn't you just give us a whole bunch of excuses as to why we are the way we are? I have simply brought up origin to help you see where you are today. Excuses are things that you say in order to keep doing it that way. And I would submit to you absolutely, if you have the power of God, again, not everybody here does, but with the power of God and his anointing on your life as a parent, you have what it takes to leave this one way of living and do it different. God has given you, wants to offer you that strength. But you gotta just stop making excuses and look, excuses are, they've been going on for a long time. You know, the first excuse, Genesis chapter three, the creation of Mankind, and right away, we see excuses happen. Remember Adam and Eve, they're not supposed to eat of that fruit, and they do anyways, and you know, God comes up on uh, Adam, and here's, here's what Adam says. The man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and then I ate it. Two excuses right there in one sentence. First of all, God, it's your fault because you gave me that woman. Second, and it's her fault. And to this day, men, women, we've all been making excuses for the situation rather than taking ownership for what we've done. So we take an ownership, we take an ownership too for the things that have happened, even in our past. We say, I didn't do that, but I recognize it's done some things in me, and now, God, I want your help to parent. And I know it's not easy, and I can remember, I mean, I remember when my first daughter was born, and I'm thinking, I got a father now? Like, God, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> this is, I am not qualified to be a father. Like I was just like not long ago, I think playing at home, you know, baseball. And now here I am uh, to father. And God said, yeah, I'm with you. I'm right by your side. And where you're weak, I'm going to make you strong. And I will not leave you and forsake you. And I will qualify you because you are ready for this moment. And he qualified me. In some of the darkest times where I didn't even know what I was supposed to be doing, he qualified me. He prepared me. So we fight through those excuses. And, and I, I get it. There are some of you, you're a little skeptical. And you're like, come on, bro. It's 2023. You're talking about Bible stuff. And that's such an old text. Get with the times, preacher boy. Because you know back in the Bible, they were all perfect. But ain't nobody perfect now. Of course, I just shared with you Adam and Eve and their mistakes and, and their excuses. But I always love to remind you about some of the great biblical characters that we all like to look up to. And so let me just give you a list of them and some of their flaws along the way. Noah got drunk. Moses had anger and he stuttered. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Leah was considered ugly. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were said to be too young. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Isaiah got naked. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced five times. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. And Lazarus was dead. And yet God came on the scene and did what God is capable of doing. What's your excuse for parenting well? We deal with those excuses, we bring them before God, and we say, God, no, I'm not going to, failure is not final. I'm not going to live 
this way any longer. Again, I know that some of you parent, have parented well, and maybe your place is, of course, grandparenting well. Maybe your place is finding yourself in situations where you can help some of our younger generation parent well. At the end, though, we know a lot of folks are struggling in our culture today to seek God for help in parenting. Maybe you came today and say, my parents were terrible. How do I do this? God says, I am perfect and I will give you power. Maybe you come here today and say, all I learned from my parents is messiness. God says, well, if you open up my word, you're not left out on an island. I will teach you how to do this. Here's the next thing in your notes. You've got to decide to work. Parenting is a labor. And from the moment it starts to the time you draw your last breath, you're parenting in some way or another. And so it takes labor. It's not like, a, I'm not asking you if you're really trying to parent better. I'm not, a, this is not like, a, like how you treat a New Year's resolution. And like three weeks later, you stop. That's not what we're doing here. It's a commitment. It is a lifelong labor. It is a work. And you know, the journey with God is this labor in general. Right? The, the scriptures say that, you know, we are always abounding in the work of the Lord and we know that our labor is not in vain. And there's a work of the Lord that we do, including in the way that we parent, right? You, you come to know Christ by grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross. You don't work for your salvation. But once you have that grace in your life, you walk in that grace, God empowers you to be obedient, live for him, to be the man of God, the woman of God that he's called you to be, but it takes labor to be obedient and to follow him. You don't just sit back and do nothing. Once you have salvation, you get involved in his plan and the process, and it is a lifetime of laboring for the things of God. It's worth it, though. And in parenting, we have... Of course, the grace, the love of Jesus Christ, but we put into action that love and grace in our lives, continue on on the journey of labor. I think about my dad. My dad was, um, he was a laborer at his job. My dad owned a small business for decades. He's retired now, but when my dad went to work, he'd strap on these boots. He'd tie them, lace them up. They're like uh, wolverines, you know what I'm talking about? Those, those boots, that kind of boots. And when he put on those boots, I know dad was going to work. To this day, like he's retired. He's going to go work on the yard, puts the boots on. I always know dad's going to work. Let me say this. If you're going to parent well, you need to put your boots on. And you need to be willing to work. Day in, day out, laboring so that the outcomes are healthy. But I'll say this. Some parents labor, but they labor in vain. When you're working for God and the things of God, you do not labor in vain. But there are families that are raising kids, and they're working hard, but they're laboring in vain. And they've got this thing where they put all this effort in so they get their kids to school, go to college. They put all this effort in to be in the sport. They put all this effort in to, you know, get the bank one day or look a certain way and social status. And they teach their kids all these things. And then when the rubber meets the road because they haven't invested in the right things, these kids come to a place 15, 20 years when they left the home. Turns out the home was built on shifting sands and they were rudderless and their marriage is broke and they have no clue how to fix it. You had an opportunity in the home to teach them, but they don't know how to parent their own kids because you didn't show them healthy parenting along the way. They're reaching these moments of struggles and decision-making because we didn't take the time to put the convictions in them that we should have. 
can do that. We can talk about it or we can, we can put it into action. Some parents, they want healthy homes and they say it. I want a healthy home. I'm praying for a healthy home. Okay, great. Now do something about it. You hear, I hear Christians, they'll say things like, um, I'm praying for a new job. Okay, did you apply for the job? Well, <laughs> not yet. What? Okay, first step, you may want to get off the couch, brush your hair, and apply for the job. Pray, you should pray. But also do your part, right? We pray, do our part. Pastor Gary, I'm praying for a wife. I'm praying for a wife. Okay, uh, did you brush your teeth? <laughs> like, like, you may have to brush your teeth, put down the video game, and do something. And so we can talk about saying we want healthy homes. We can pray about it, and you should pray. I'm just going to let go and let God. Let go and let God. Well, that's probably a time there where you let go and let God. But if you haven't put in the labor, let's not blame our laziness on God. Jesus said, be harmless as a dove, cunning, wise as a snake, serpent. What is he saying there? There's a love and there's an operation in that grace, that things of love that God is doing in your spirit. But there's times to be tactical. There's times to do our part. There's times to put in the effort. Oliver Cromwell, British military leader, said this, trust God, but keep your powder dry. Trust God, but be ready to go to battle. Proverbs 6 and verse 6 says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It doesn't have a commander, an overseer, or a ruler, yet it stores its provisions in the summer. It gathers its food for the harvest. How long are you going to lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Poverty comes on your family like a thief. Scarcity like an armed man. We reap what we've sown. And for you to see those outcomes you're looking for, we, we have to be willing to do the labor of sowing and know that the labor will not be in vain. There will be a right time for the harvest. You come into this audience today saying, I'm not praying with my family yet. I need to do that, Pastor Gary. Uh, I need to make change in my family. My kids don't know the word of God. It's going to be tough. Yes, it's going to be tough. But I remind you what the Bible says, the path of the righteous is like the dawning of the sun that gets brighter and brighter and brighter. And though the beginning might be important, God has always cared about the ending. You have a pro, you have an opportunity right now to say, okay, didn't go this way, but from this moment forward, it's going to go this way. I put in your notes, I can tell you as I've watched this along the way, three things that I know are hard to handle when you're trying to make change in your family. And I just want to give you these in advance so you'll have them, but they're very real. Here's the first one. Well, repentance is hard. It seems like an old-fashioned churchy word, but it's really a simple word. All it means is to go a different way, different way to God. Repentance is just recognizing, uh, I messed this up, God, and I want to turn to you now. I don't want to do what I've been doing. I want to do a different way with you. That's what repentance is. It says, God calls us to that as parents and says, hey, don't live this way any longer. Live for the things of God. And that is not easy when you're trying to do that in a home. You've never gathered your family for prayer time and you say, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. Going before God and saying, God, I've made these mistakes. That's not easy either. Here's the next one, humility. 
Humility before God? Yes, but here's humility for you. Admitting to your children and your spouse that we've done this wrong. I've done this wrong. Sit, look, like Here's why we're making these changes, because mom, dad, we messed up. And we owe it to you. Whatever time we have to get this right, and we're going to start getting this right. For your kids to buy into this, for a family to buy into this, you have to admit that there's a reason why you're doing it, because you, you messed it up previously. That's hard. A lot of people don't want to do that. And then the third thing is tear down idols. So much of living for God requires us to tear down the idols, the things that we worship that are not of God, the things that we've been putting first in our home that are not of God. And when you start telling your kids or your spouse, we got to deal with those idols, some people get real protective of their idols. And they say, we're not letting that one go. And it feels like it's all going to fall apart. And these are challenges, and I just, I'm giving to them to you now because if you want to make change, you, with God's help, you got to be, you got to be ready for some of the difficulties. To do all of this and what we're talking about in this series, I did not bring this to you because um, I think we're just going to do a few sermons and you're going to take a few notes and everything's going to be okay. Uh, we do this, I'm doing this with you because there's also some other parts I want to add to this that I think you will see how the church is partnering with you. First of all, we partner with you every weekend here. Hundreds of kids go in our kids' ministry every weekend here at our church. And we got an amazing bunch of people there. Uh, they're not the main God. They shouldn't be the main God thing in your family. That's just a little one-hour helper to all you're doing throughout the week. But they do a great job. There, We have a student night on Wednesday nights, youth night that we do here. Hundreds of kids, part of our youth night. And they're hearing about Jesus and, and the people there, volunteers and leaders there. They're, they're doing a thing for our community, for all of our our teens, and so we put in a huge effort here at our church doing, uh, doing this for, for our teenagers, so youth, kids, but then we also want to offer you a parenting class kind of as a supplement to some of the things I'm going to be talking about in this series, and if you are interested in coming to a one evening event, just a, just a few hours of just some intense training, uh, we are offering this to you. We're offering it on two different nights. It's not a two-night class. We're just offering one class on two different nights to help you with your schedule selection. These are Saturday night events after church here. We're just going to take some time uh, doing some intense talk about these core values for parenting. And so if you're interested in this, do me a favor on the back of your Connect card, that card you got when you came in, write the word parenting and circle it on the back of the card. We will put you in a queue in which we will give you updates and information about those events that are coming up. Child care is provided. Bring your spouse if you're married. Join us. Be a part of just learning these courses. We're just, it's free, and we're just trying to partner and help you out a little bit further. So maybe you're the guy here. You're the man of the house. Step up. Be a man. Write parenting. Admit I haven't gotten it right. Write parenting on that card and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure we're at this. Uh, another thing that I did for this series is we did a little, I recorded a little helper on how to start praying and doing devotions with your family. Many times men have never done this and I start saying to them, you start praying with your family and they go, I, I don't know how to do that. I get it. Well, I recorded a few minute little thing, just here's some helpers and how easy it is to begin. I will send you that video if on the back of your connect card, you write the word Devo, D-E-V-O, on the back of that connect card, right, Devo, put it in the offering, drop the card in the offering bucket, and over the next 24 hours or so, I will send you a link if you have a legible email address, which can be a challenge. 
legible email address. I will send you that link so that you can get some tips and helpers on how to pray and do devos with your family. Let me, let me give you another helper that we've put together for this series. On the back of your Connect card, there's a little QR, or not Connect card, your message notes. There's a little QR code for you to scan, and that has a link to some resources that we're recommending to parents. Um, some books, some things that you can uh, check out and just see if you want to purchase for your own household. These are staff, church recommended, so you can check those out by QR coding that, that uh, code on the back, or there's also a printed out link that you can type in if you don't want to do the QR code. All of those resources are out here on the right-hand side, right when you walk out the doors. They're on the right-hand side for you to just thumb through and see if there's one that you like. They're not for you to take. We've already had a couple people just take them. Don't take them. They're there for you to examine and then go on the QR code and decide which ones you want to order. You know, we got, I think, some of the best prices you can find on them. So they're not for, the, we don't make anything. It's just they're helpers for you. And so you can see those resources right out here outside these doors on the right-hand side. So these are just things we're partnering with you. Here's the last thing in your notes. Remember, change can be painful, but we're going to persevere in love. In love. It's all built on a love foundation. I could say to you, it's painful. And some of you will say, I already know that. And I know that's not very encouraging to like talk about how painful it can be sometimes, but we have to be honest. I said the key word is difficult, and it is difficult. And there are times where in this fight or flight mentality, we just want to flight. We just want to get out of here because you know, raising kids isn't easy and and we have to decide to persevere because we do live in a culture today where so many kids don't have healthy parents and we don't want to be those parents. We have kids in our culture today who are unwanted. As a matter of fact, because we know there are more and more unwanted children, more and more kids that are needing fostered, more and more along, coming along the way, we are rolling out a partnership, our church is, with a foster company, organization, that is a Christian organization, and they want to share some information with you in a few weeks about fostering. And so it's called a door of hope. They're going to be here for a gathering after church on a Sunday to just tell you a little bit about fostering. For those of you that do this well and you want to foster children, I know it's a small group of people, but you can just come and check out the information. It's not committing you to anything. If you're interested in that, write fostering on the back of your Connect card. Circle it, drop it in the bucket, and we will send you out more information about that gathering happening in September. But we do our part. Kids that are in our home, we say, God, I want to get this right, but I know I will have to be persistent because parenting is not for the faint of heart. There's an old African folk song translated into English. It says this, whenever an old person dies, it is like a library that has been burnt to the ground. That older people, like they have this possession of information that is so available to pass on to generations, but maybe they die and take it all with them, and that ought not happen. We ought to be a people that transfers the goodness of God and the goodness of parenting onto our children so that they can grow up and pass it on to their children. It doesn't rest within us. We make sure it happens for them as well. Conviction, character, confidence, competency, compassion all important things for kids to leave the home with, but takes persistence. I was uh, reading an article from Dr. Meg Meeker, who is a 
doctor, pediatrician, but she's also written books on parenting and her husband on parenting, and they've talked about daughters and sons along the way. And she wrote something about daughters that resonated with me because of my two, two daughters, but I think even if you've got sons, this resonates as well. Here's what she said, and so valuable. She said, a daughter, she, she wrote this to dads. She said, dads, daughters, they, they'll dive into a deep power struggle with you, not to see how tough you are, but to see how much you really care about them. So remember, when she pushes hard against your rules, she's flailing, she's crying that you're mean or unfair, she's really asking you a question, am I worth the fight, Dad? Are you strong enough to handle me? Make sure she knows that the answer is yes. How do you do that? With discipline, with grit, with will, talking about it, perseverance, right? If you need to distance yourself emotionally for a moment, you know, do it. If you need physical separation for a bit, okay, but always come back. Come back to her with will and patience and calm and persistence. It will pay off in your relationship with her. Nothing better expresses serious love than this combination of these qualities. Let her know that nothing she does, even running away, getting pregnant, tattooing her ankle, piercing her tongue, can make you stop loving her. Say that if you need to. Love must push beyond ourselves. It's like a jab of every sensitive part of you, every sensitive part of you, and it turns you inside out. Having kids is terrifying because parenting is like walking around with your heart outside your chest. It goes to school and gets made fun of. It jumps into cars that go too fast. It breaks, it bleeds, but love is voluntary. Your daughter cannot make you love her or think she is wonderful. She would if she could do it, but she can't. How you love her and when you show it is within your control. A foundation built on love that perseveres through all trials. No matter what has happened, if you will stay committed from this day forward, if you will stay focused, if you will labor, God can build it, God can rebuild it. Be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. And when you grow weary, you remember that it's worth it because we always know that the sweetness of life comes after the sweat of life. There will come a time where you say, okay, all of that labor mattered as I persevere with this desire to build a great family, a great legacy, and I dig my roots in for the things of God because I want to fight for my family. I want to fight for my sons. I want to fight for my daughters. I want to fight for my spouse. I don't want to forget what matters most in life. And when I am weak, he will make me strong through his supernatural strength because I am anointed and I have been chosen by him to parent and to parent well. I hope you'll join us for the rest of this series, let me pray. Let me pray for you now. Father, I believe we've got parents here right now who are wanting to make a change. It won't be easy, but God, with their power and the strength, God, that you have to offer them, God, you can lead them into a long journey that will be victorious. Father, I pray um, that our parents would want to know uh, these truths and fight for them in their homes. I pray, uh, God, that you would just help them, equip them even more and more to see that they are ready and able for the task that is ahead. I pray, Father, for some that are here that would love to have your power and strength, but they don't have it. As I talk about it, they do not know that which I'm even talking about because they've, they've never had a relationship with you and they've tried it their way. God, they're ready to try it your way, it starts with a relationship with their heavenly Father. We have unbelievers right now, people watching online. You want to discover the power of God, it starts with the forgiveness of God. 
You cannot have a relationship with God until you're forgiven of your sin. And Jesus did that once and for all on the cross. Would you turn to him today just like I did? I was sitting in a church just like you are. I heard the pastor talking. And I just said, God, I'm ready. Forgive me of my sin. Just right where I was seated. God, I want this for my life. I'm ready to be made new. God, forgive me. I'm ready to start this new journey with you. I want to learn about your power, strength, wisdom. Today, God, I begin that relationship with you. I believe in the gift of the Son, Jesus Christ. I turn to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.